Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. No matter what, you will make it right. They will not leave upset. Uh, honestly, for me, it's for Jonathan and I, it's, it's been a crazy experience. You know, uh, I'm happy we didn't have to wait 20 years to get here. You know, I'm happy it's, it's so much harder to to try and change, uh, well, habits, you know? <laughs> you went through that whole story only to say, I raised my labor rate $45 an hour. Now I can afford the group. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> 43 cents. <laughs> 43 cents. For those people that are fighting raising their labor rate, or to go outside their shop, get themselves a, a soap box or a milk carton and stand on it and say, damn it, I'm worth it and raise their freaking labor rates. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge. This is episode 71, and today we're going to be discussing labor rates. We have quite a uh, panel here. Really excited to get into it. But before we do, those of you who are listening or tuning in, either watching or listening, however you're enjoying this, this uh, content, um, I just want to remind you, you can like this video, share this. Um, if, if you learned anything from this podcast or you enjoyed what we're talking about, please let us know down in the comments down below as we get into this. We were watching that. And so uh, we can engage with you there. I want to introduce our panelists today. We've got Tony Zanders from RLO Training, as well as his shop, Heritage Auto Repair. We have Fernando Osario and his brother, Jonathan from Milestone Motors. And we have Keith Brown from Tire World. So again, I just want to remind those of you who are listening, if you have any comments for us or questions, we're going to be watching the, the that down below in the chat. And let's start with the first question to get into this topic. And I'm going to give this to my dad because I want to specify for those of for those people who don't know what this is, labor rates, because there might be some people out there. Dad, what are labor rates? It is the amount of money that you charge a customer for a period of time in the automotive industry. We go by tenths of an hour, half, half of an hour, uh, and hours. So uh, most shops would have an hourly labor rate. What do I charge a customer per hour that the job takes? Okay. And, and, then, and then, wait a minute, because we got we to gotta go a little deeper. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for him to go, hold on. You have to. Because, uh, you know, a shop may have a posted rate of, say, $140 an hour but an effective labor rate, what we really get. So there's two pieces to the puzzle here. There is what do you charge per hour? And then there's what do you really get per hour? When you throw in oil changes at a lower labor rate than your 140, then that brings your effective labor rate down. When you do comebacks and you pay a technician to work on a car for three hours, but you don't charge the customer that would be a zero labor rate. When that is thrown in the pile, it brings that labor rate down even further. So there are some shops that have a $120, $130 labor rate posted, but they have an effective labor rate in the 80s. And they wonder why they're not making money at the end of the day. So you, you really need to know not just your labor rate, but you also need to know what your effective labor rate, what you're really getting from your customers. So- so then I'm just going to ask one more question before we move on. Why should the people who are watching or listening to this, why should they care about labor rates? Because you only make money in two ways in the automotive industry. You, you buy labor from your technician. Uh, you pay a tech 35 bucks an hour plus FICA, FUTA, workers comp, et cetera. Maybe it's 4250 And then you sell that labor for 120 And the difference is the gross profit that you have that helps you pay your bills and hopefully leave some money in the bottom line. You also buy parts from companies like Rollpack and, and uh, CarQuest, uh, Napa, and you mark those parts up. And the difference between what you bought them for and what you paid for them is your gross profit, which pays your bills and pays you know puts money in the bottom line. And if you're not paying attention to, to something that brings in at least half of your profit, and that number is much lower than it should be, it can really affect the bottom line at the end of the month. And there may be no money left over at the end of the month, too much month and not enough money. Mm. 
So with that said, let's go to Tony. Uh, and we're going to go around the room here. Room. <laughs> Tony, what, what, um, how do you set your labor rate in your shop? That's a, that's a great question. So um, one of the challenges that we have as a business owner is uh, trying to determine that value that we assign to the time uh, as a calculation. Um, you know, whether it's a response to the changing market uh, or we just need to make more money, we need to consistently review our labor rates because, you know, how many times has the price of gas changed? Uh, you know, and so if the price of gas changes and it affects our transportation costs and it affects our parts prices and everything else, it's something we need to consistently look at. And so one of the key things, uh, I think the, the best method of uh, assigning our labor rates is figuring out what do we need to make? What, the, what is the margin? You know, Cecil, you mentioned $35 an hour is what we need to pay a technician for a good quality technician. Well, if you figure out a 72% margin on that, which is a, a good benchmark, then we need to have a labor rate, an effective labor rate of about 135 bucks an hour, 125 bucks an hour actually calculated. Uh, you know, and so really we need to set our labor rates based on our objective of profit, not based on what others, somebody else said we need to charge or what, uh, you know, what one person thinks we should be charging for, for a service. We need to set it based on profit objectives. I think there's a really interesting piece here and I'm going to cut in. I'm sorry, but Kent, but, um, you know, so many shop owners are setting their labor rate based on what the guy down the street does. And unfortunately the guy down the street doesn't know what he's doing. And so we have the blind leading the blind uh, in a lot of ways. And, and the guy down the street may look busy, but he may not be making any money. And, and the object of business is to make a profit and, and turn a fair profit. So uh, it's, I, I just think it's kind of interesting when, you know, you, you have to think about what your objective is. I think Tony's 100% dead on. And, and how do I make the money that I need to make in my company? And it, it really is almost regardless of whatever else is going on around you. Well, I think some, one of the things we have to look at also is the fact of the value of what we do. Like Cecil says, the guy down the street, his expenses can be totally different. Um, what he provides. I mean, you, you talk to a lot of these smaller shops and they go, we don't provide medical, 401k, dental, things like that. And in this day and age, those are benefits that you have to provide. And if they say they can't afford it, then they're obviously not charging the right labor rate in order to facilitate that, to take care of their technicians. Because that's one of the knocks on our business, getting people into our business is not being able to pay them at a, at a decent rate and provide the benefits that they need to support themselves and their families. Um, now, I don't know because I've been in Utah now for 40 years. Prior to that, I lived in California. And you guys that are coaching all over the country, are there any states that require you to post your labor rate? There are a couple of states that require you to post. New York is one. California is another. Now, you don't, but you don't have to post your, your labor rate. You have to post in California if you're doing smogs or safeties or, uh, well, they don't have safety, but smog. You have to post a smog labor rate. Um, you, you, it, it's becoming more and more difficult even because I don't have a labor rate anymore in my shop. I have, you know, when we do oil changes, we're this. When we do, you know, heavy duty diag, we're this. If the car's older, I might have a higher labor rate because I know it's going to take more time and there's going to be more rust and more problems. So a lot of shops today, they're working with five or six different labor rates. So, you know, what, which do I post? Right. If I have to post, if I'm in New York, what do I post? You know, I could I could post by the half hour. I could say 70 bucks a half hour. And uh, that would that would meet the standard of the law. But really, what we need to get to as an industry is selling the job based on the job, not based on hours or some rate. You know, yeah. I started doing that a while back of a very, you know, variable labor rate. So when people ask us, the job is X amount of dollars, because if I'm working on an older car, I have a higher labor rate. Um, we do a lot of commercial vehicles and, and some of them have trailers that will work on the trailers. Trailers are at a different rate than motor homes and European. And we have to maintain that because working on some of this stuff, it's it's not like go online, order the parts and they magically show up. You have to, the, the, the service advisor, the techs have to spend more time. There's no flat rate manual. So you assign an arbitrary time and, and you do that. And so when these people are setting up their, their labor rate, 
Um, their labor rate, again, like Tony said, should be a, a factor of their um, their payroll. It needs to be something where you take what you want to pay your guy, and if he's if he's due a raise, and you want to provide benefits, and you factor all that in there. And then you as the owner need to make a profit and you need to pay your overhead and you need to pay your service advisor. All that has to be calculated into that. And then you set your arbitrary labor rate of your general stuff. And then you have those those, uh, variances for the different things that you're working on in your business. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. I think, Fernando, don't you just primarily do imports? We we only do BMWs and Mini Coopers. And um, I kind of wanted to, I wanted to chime in on that was that um, I think it's, uh, it's definitely relative to the demographics, you know, and I'll, I'll give an example is that if, if we're in West Palm Beach here in South Florida, West Palm Beach, we're about an hour north of, of Miami. And I'm a millennial, so I'll relate it to buying a drink, right? You go to the beach here, you buy a drink. And I mean, it's probably, I mean, it could be $18. But if you go down an hour south, that's a $45 drink. It's the same coast. It's the demographics changed. You're, you're in a different area. So I also believe that it's it's relative to when something Cecil taught us, you know, is what um, what is your target clientele? Do you want clientele that's that's going to price match you? That's going to go based off of the guy down the street that has uh, where will he be in three years? You know, he doesn't have credibility. Um, he doesn't have the same warranty. It's it's we shouldn't compare ourselves to the guy down the street. And I think most mechanics, unless you've been through training, unless you've uh, gotten insight from somebody else, like Cecil, in, in this case for us, he's been uh, he's been our coach and he's, he's, he's made a world of a difference for us. Um, and I, I speak in regards because we're so new, we're so green, but uh, and, and we could see over 30% increases quarterly just because we're so new, you know? So, um, who is your target clientele? Do you want dealership clientele? So you should be, you know, maybe the dealership is who you compare yourself to, even though we are better than the dealership. That is the kind of customers we want. We want the customers that know that there's a guarantee, there's a warranty, there's um, no matter what, you will make it right. They will not leave upset. And it's honest, it's transparent. Does that, uh, does that sound about right, Cecil? Sounds about right, my friend. So, um, so I, Tony, Tony, you you had said kind of like your primary thing uh, as to how you set your labor rate. It's profit first. But I wanted to ask Keith and Fernando, what are your guys' I guess top priorities when it comes or top factors when it comes to setting your labor rates? I, I think it's always profit. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Fernando. No, go ahead, Keith. I'll, I'll wait. Go ahead. I you know I think it's always about putting money to the bottom line, making sure that you have the funds to expand, to buy that new equipment that you need to buy, um, to make sure that your people are taken care of and that you're providing a good environment. Um, and then, you know, my business, we, we also do tire work and not having to waffle on buying that new balancer, that tire machine that we need. Uh, if it's too old and too beat up, we've got the funding in the bank to go ahead and buy that. And if we need scan tools or updates and things like that, we need to be able to purchase that. And so subsequently, we need to make sure that we're taking care of the business so the business can take care of us. And for us, um, something similar to what Keith said, but you, you have to stay up with the training with the software. These, these cars now they're computers. They're not, you know, they have four wheels and, 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 and they have an engine as of now, but there's, there's software involved in these cars. So they're going to get to a point where they don't even have an engine. <laughs> yeah. Or a steering wheel, right? but, we're, but we still, you know, um, unless you get training again, 
you still feel guilty when you charge a certain amount because the truth is that most of us started as mechanics. So when we, when we charge, we look at it for how long the job takes us, right? At the beginning, it just, okay, that takes about an hour and a half. No, no, hold on. That, that took an hour and a half because you have a $10,000 scan tool because you went to school and you've been in the business for 10, 15 years. So you know that, that, you know, that only takes you an hour and a half, but if I didn't have this training, I couldn't fix this car. I wouldn't know where to start, you know? And I think that's from, this is how powerful like a good partnership is here when, and I'll get Jonathan involved is that I, I started with a mechanic background. Okay. And my brother, although he understands mechanics, he didn't do it for a living. So my brother, Jonathan. So when I was at the beginning, I would quote something, I would quote a repair and, and his thing was, you're not charging enough. You know, you're not charging enough. And he would have to tell the story, Jonathan, of when I was in school. So you can, you can remind, <laughs> it's a constant reminder for, for me, but Jonathan's always uh, in my head at the beginning. I just, I just, uh, I keep it simple. I remember when he was going to school and, and the whole process here, uh, you know, to make it short, he was in high school. He went straight from high school to uh, training, you know, a couple states away. And basically he'd do training and he'd have about an hour in between training, you know, school uh, before he'd go to work. And he used to do valet. And he used to, you know, when we'd speak on the phone and whatnot, he'd tell me about his day. And uh, I always, I always remember hearing about his swollen ankles, you know, it, his ankles would swell. So I just, when we touch on the whole labor thing, I'm like, just think swollen ankles, swollen ankles. There's, there's a lot more behind it, but he knows what I'm talking about. It's just. It's a huge picture. It was a rough patch and it's to learn everything he knows now, basically. So I always hit him with that one because he remembers the swollen ankles. You know, he remembers living alone. You know, you weren't even 20 years old yet. And you, you were doing what, about 14 hour days, you know, wake up, do what you got to do. And then it's basically eat, go to bed, repeat, you know, five or six days out of the week. So that's what I like to poke at him with, you know, to get him going. Cause nobody likes to hear, you know, you're not charging enough for some reason. It's when you were a mechanic, it hits different. It's like, you have to do it, you know, and people are very hesitant from what I have seen to, to make that little jump, which we did one last week. Again, we had a swollen ankle conversation and we went up a little bit, you know, and guess what? This is still the same and that's it. Yeah, yeah, people people forget that your customers are not only paying for the labor and the parts that they came in for, but they also have to pay for your marketing, your overhead, your your administrative staff, uh, your you know the paper that you're printing everything on. They have to pay for all of that, and and that's the only income you have is from your customers. You have to make sure that you're charging for all of that stuff on top of the labor and the parts. And they have to pay for the swollen ankles. And hang on, and, and past that, they've got to pay for the future. And, and here we are in an industry where we have a lack of technicians that are qualified. And the reason we have a lack of technicians that are qualified can very well be pointed to the fact that we just don't pay enough. It's not glamorous enough, et cetera. Uh, when, when, when Jonathan said that uh, Fernando was parking cars, I used to do that as a valet. I could make 120, 150 bucks, 200 bucks a night on a good night. In a, in a four hour night parking cars. I could make more money as a valet than 25, 30 years ago than a technician today uh, in our industry, where, where would I go? You know, um, swollen ankles or not. We, yeah. we, we, the customer also has to pay for the future. And, and that includes, you know, increasing wages so that we can attract really good people into our industry, the kind of people that are intelligent, that understand the computers, that have higher educations. Yeah, Tony, absolutely. You, you had something you wanted to add, Tony. Yeah, you bet. You just, I just want to reinforce what uh, Fernando and Keith was saying. Uh, we're also, the labor rates are also, we're charging for experience, training, and equipment. 
The, if, if we don't have labor aides to support the experience that our team has, the uh, the training that we put them through or that they've been through or that we're going to continue, like Cecil said, continue to need, uh, and the equipment that we've invested in, what, what Keith said, the, the labor aid has to justify those costs. And uh, yeah. if we get sidetracked with uh, what it feels like, we feel like we should be charging $120 an hour or whatever it is, then it's uh, we're missing the mark. I think I think owners need to need to and maybe this is a weird connection, but say you've got a ten thousand dollars scan tool, you've got to make up the cost for buying that ten thousand dollars scan tool. So you're going to be using it on the cars that you can use the tool on. Um, you do the same thing with training. You're going to pay a certain amount for training. You have to get your return on in investment on that, and you have to make sure that you're charging the customer for that training as well. So I think I think that's great, Dad. I love that uh, your customers have to pay for your future. Well, and you talk about the the scan the ten thousand dollars scan tool. The scan tool is just the beginning. Then you've got the annual updates. In three to four years, it's obsolete, so you have to replace it. And maybe it doesn't. Exactly. Depending on like if if you're like Fernando in his garage and you're working specifically on BMWs and Minis, the the software updates and the scan tool that speaks to that on a factory level is a lot more expensive than that's that Snap on that I've got out there in the shop that just does universal in general. Some of these times, depending if you're a specialty garage, your investment is much higher. Uh, I know certain garages to be certified have to buy a database from the manufacturer and, and additional training to be certified in that in that uh, platform. And it's just going crazy. But, you know, I remember we've all seen it. We've all been married and they had a thing. If you paid your wife what she's worth, you know, she's an accountant. She's a daycare. She's a, And as a technician, as a garage, don't we also qualify? Because... Our guys, you know, how much does a programmer get? How much does an electrical engineer get? How much does a structural engineer? How much does a hydraulic engineer get? All of these factors are what we're asking our technicians to learn and be experts with because of the liability factors that exist out there nowadays. And we have to keep them up to date on that that type of uh, platform and that knowledge to make it worth it. So are we not worth more than we are? We, we get in our own way. I mean, I've raised my labor rates 20% in the last two years. Um, and I still don't think I'm where I need to be just because of the fact of the investments that we're trying to make and what we're trying to put to the bottom line. So, so Keith, Oh, sorry, dad. I was talking to one of our, our shop owners that we work with and their Mercedes tool had broken. And so they needed a new Mercedes scanner, 38, thousand dollars for a new Mercedes scanner. So, you know, it's, we as, as automotive business people need to be profitable. And, and frankly, we're, we're in trouble because the industry as a whole is at least 40% behind where it should be. Um, I can tell you stories about what my electrician charges me, what my lawyer charges me, what my plumber charges me, and it doesn't even come close to what we charge in the industry in, because it's so much more. And, and, they're, and, and we pay it. People pay it all day long and don't think about it. It is us that's holding us back. It's not the, it's not the customers. It's us. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So, so that, that leads into my next question. And this is kind of a, double-ed, a double-ended question here. So... First off, as of as of 2019, the average labor rate was about $100 an hour for the industry. Are shops in your area below, at, or above that? So that's the first part of this question. The second part is, how do you justify your labor rate to your customers in regards to those around you? Well, I don't, I don't know that we justify our labor rates because you know, every now and then, You'll have a customer that comes in and says, what's your hourly labor rate? They're trying to be comparative. And what we're trying to do is, is sell the job. Well, my ASC certified master technician is going to do this. We're going to give it a two-year or three-year warranty, depending on what we're doing. Some have a lifetime warranty. And we're going to guarantee it nationwide. And this is the cost of the job. The labor rate is something we used to factor in that selling of that time to, to make our payroll and pay our people. If they're asking why you you know you have that, there's always going to be somebody cheaper. We need to qualify and what we have and what we're offering. We need to have that value proposition that when we ask it, and I'm saying be fair. I'm not saying we're you know ripping anybody off. I'm saying be fair and be profitable so that you can take care of your guys. I have a local garage that just recently sold out. 
And he's still working at the garage. He sold to another company and he still has to work there because he did not make enough money to build a retirement for himself. And now the selling of the business is his quote unquote retirement, yet he still has to work there. It's a it's a it's amazing. We're 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 in we're so much in our way here. We need to be 200 bucks an hour or higher in this industry in order to pay for the what we what we need and and to pay for our futures and to create the interest and keep good techs and have the right equipment. And and yet the average the average labor rate is probably around 100, 110 at most. Um, and and how do you how do you plan your future? when you don't have the money or the wherewithal to make that happen. And I love what you said, Keith, there's always someone cheaper. So you, you can't be talking about, you know, we're comparative with X, Y, Z. We, we, we are a better value. Cheaper does not mean better. Do you, Dad, do you remember? So we had, cause we're, we've been doing a lot of construction. A lot of people know that in our new offices, but we had um, a clog in one of the drain pipes that we have. Right. And the guy came and he has a tool that's on a trailer. Right, I'll bet and you it wasn't there forty thousand. No, 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 no. So either. he, so, so I remember because we sat and had a conversation with him. We watched him. He was here for like three or four hours. Uh, he put the thing down the drain and he turned on the machine. Um, he was two hundred and forty dollars an hour. Okay, and we asked him, you know, why are you two hundred and forty dollars an hour? Because we we deal with this, you know. And he goes, well, I've got to pay for that. And he points to the machine that's doing all the work for him, right? And I go, how much was that machine? And he goes, uh, it's about $30,000, $35,000. And I'm like, what do you use that machine for? And he goes, oh, it's everything. That's, that's, what, that's what we do. So that's all they do. They use that machine to unclog big drains. And it's $240 an hour. And that's just for the labor. They also had an extra cost for the machine on top of that. Just to put things in perspective for some of you, some of the listeners, I, I wrote it. I wrote a check or credit card for sixteen hundred dollars for a guy that was here for three and a half hours because he had a thirty-five thousand dollars machine that pushed the poop through the line. Plus, so, the same guy that came yeah. to my place. So <laughs> you got to ask yourself how many how many tools do you have that are over you know five thousand dollars that you use, right? Yeah. How many scan tools? How many you know? It, it, it's insane. Oh, and then and they what the technicians invest, and they yeah. deserve to get that that reward. They've spent the money so they can be productive, so that they can be personally profitable. We're buying their time from them, and they need to invest also. So yeah, it's it's crazy how much money we ask them to put out to to make a living. So so to, to dial this back to the question, oh, Dad, you want to? I, I got it. When I started working on cars as a technician, now we're talking 1980. I was spending $5,000 a year on tools, okay? And when I retired from working on cars, moved on to running shops, owning shops, et cetera, I had $200,000 worth of tools in my very expensive toolbox. Now, by the way, those tools had no value out in the marketplace. They only had value to me. And, and how do we pay somebody $20 an hour as a startup technician and ask them to invest $5,000 in tools and that for me was 40 years ago. It's not 5,000 anymore. It's a lot more. Um, we're, we we got to go somewhere here or we're going to be in trouble. We're so, all yeah. I, so I want to, I want to, oh, go ahead, Fernando. We have a shop that's, um, that's close to us, right? They're, they're eh, half a mile down the road. And um, I've actually referred people there that have, um, if, if, if we're, if they're, if we are too expensive for them, then I, I referred them to the road, to the shop down the road. And, um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're not within, sometimes people are looking for, um, you know, how much are the brake pads? How much is the paste you're putting on it and, and, and the sensor and they're, they're, they're pinching pennies. They're not appreciating. For, Fernando, why? Would you ever send away a paying customer? <laughs> because, uh, and, and uh, I'm happy you smart. asked that. I'm happy you asked that because I happened to go down to that shop that I, that I refer in there. It's a good shop. You know, it's mom and pop. They've been open for, for, for I think, 10, 15 years. And um, I see they have a lot of volume. You know, they're very busy. 
And um, while I was in there, quick story, I was in there and um, the owner is asking the, um, his wife, hey, do we have this oil filter? And she said, yeah, we have, we have uh, five of them back there. And he's like, well, no, we don't. We don't have five of these back there. It's a, it was like a 1990-something uh, GMC. And she's like, yeah, we do. So he goes to the back and looks again, and he does have five of them. And it's a 1990 GMC. I don't know how often they work on those, but let's say, you know. So my point is this, is that if, you're, if your labor rate is a little bit higher, okay, you're not working on you're going to thin out your clientele to more of the cream of the crop. Okay. And that doesn't mean that, that, um, that there's bad customer because you have a 1990s car. That just means that you can have this 1990 car and he might want to restore it completely. And they know that you are the person that they're going to go to because they're going to, you're going to do it the right way. You will be there in three years and you're not busy working on, 10 cars a day, you know, it's not a revolving door where it's just focused on volume because you have that lower labor rate where you attract those customers that are just looking at the, the cost of the brake pad paste. And, and that's where we kind of want to stray away from, unless you you're looking for volume and you want those kind of customers and then that's okay too. But as Cecil always says, what does it come down to on the bottom dollar? And those oil filters on the rack, if they don't get used, you don't make any money off of them. <laughs> There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame, they can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one -on -one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iframe.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Uh, yeah, business is about profit. Um, and about making a profit. And if you're, if you're busy, that doesn't necessarily mean you're making a profit. It just means and I think we, in our, in our industry, I, I know we mistake busyness for profit. All Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, we, and we have to stop doing that. We, you know, there's a, there's a right mix of uh, customer car count, average repair order for your business and when you find that right mix, it can be exceptionally profitable and really, really fun. And that's where you want to be. Yeah. And lightly touching on that, Cecil, um, a little bit of our background. We started on general automotive uh, mechanics. And when we made the transition to only servicing BMWs, we went from servicing, say, owner operator, right? Single technician. We were servicing 10 cars a week that could range from a Hyundai Sonata to, you know, a BMW, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with either one of them, but, um, our average repair order was extremely low. Part of that was because we didn't have the training. We didn't know, but, um, when we made the transition from general mechanics to just BMW and our labor rate changed with that, the profit that it would take to work on 10 cars, we would make it out of two cars. And we gave that car the proper inspection it needed because we had the time, because we were getting paid for it. We were being compensated for our time. So we, we were able to, to do a proper inspection, to do a proper diagnosis. Whereas, again, if, if, if you go to that cheaper shop, they're probably going to put throw parts at it, you know? They may not have the time to properly diagnose the vehicle. So, so I want to ask Fernando, what's easier working on 10 cars or working on two cars? Working on two. Cars. <laughs> and it's, listen, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's something that, um, it's, it's so crazy because we just don't, if you don't know, you don't know, but if yeah. you, you know, if you break it down to the more cars you work on, the more warranty you're responsible for, you know, the, the, the cost of working on 10 more cars or eight more cars, it's, uh, 
it's something that unless we it's brought to light, we don't know. And we just feel again, most of us are mechanics. If we're not busy, we're not being productive. That's where we started from, you know. Didn't you find your efficiencies went up substantially, Fernando, when you stopped working? Because you have all that downtime between cars. Whereas if you're focused on one or two cars, you get you're a lot more efficient. Your techs are a lot more efficient. Your stress as a service advisor is a lot uh, smaller because you don't have 30 people to call, but two or three. So the bottom line productivity and profitability is enhanced substantially. And these shops that are oh so busy they can't get the stuff aren't charging enough because people recognize the value and the quality of their work. They need to charge for that. Absolutely. I mean, you work on a specific car and, and, and I'm sure when you buy that scan tool and the, and the software and all the other stuff you need to do to, 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 you know, work on that vehicle, you've got a major investment. So when you move from general repair to specified repair, I'm sure there's a huge investment you had to make to have the technology to, to work on that car. Well, absolutely. So I want to, I want to, Go back on this question and ask this to Tony. So if you can remember a couple minutes ago, um, <laughs> shops in your area, are they above or below that, that $100 mark? And what are you doing to justify what your labor rate is? So I think in, in my area, most shops, not all, but most are above $100. Uh, some of them not very much above $100. Uh, almost all of them are below what our local dealerships are charging. Not that that's the gold standard, obviously, but just for reference. Uh, but the key thing, I think the biggest problem that we've got as, as shop owners that, that we have to overcome is, is we've got the mindset that we're selling parts and labor. And the fact is we're not. We're selling a solution. We're selling a fixed vehicle. We're selling safety. We're selling the outcome. You know, Cecil, you didn't spend $1,600 for three and a half hours, you spent $1,600 for an unclogged drain. Yeah, we didn't like that stuff off. coming out of the, the <laughs> toilets around exactly. the place. So. You, 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 were, you were buying a solution, yeah. not a, a labor time. And, and, and we have to change our mindset because we're not selling parts and labor. We are. That's the factor, the, 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 the mathematic factor that we use to come up with the, the final price. But the truth is we're selling a solution. And so the, the biggest issue that we've got is to overcome this mindset of selling parts and labor and trying to come up with a labor rate that matches somebody else's idea of what's good. Instead, we've got to come up with a solution. In my market, you know, there's there's great steakhouses and then there's sizzling. Yeah. So they're going down and they're buying a piece of a cow and, and throwing it on a grill and they're selling the same piece of meat to, in, in two different environments. One of them's $14.95. The other one's $52, Right. Are people buying a piece of steak or are they buying an experience and or a solution, a full stomach? You know, some people just want the cheapest solution they can get. Okay, that's fine. Go to Sizzler. You know, Fernando, send them down the street. That, that, that's what they want. <laughs> and and your solution might look different from other shops. Your solution might look like loaner cars. Your solution might look yeah, like exactly. a better customer experience or uh, so more convenience. Yeah. Into it. Yep. So many other there's, factors go into it. There's I, so much. Titan is. So a lug nut, uh, you know, you can tighten a lug nut in my bay, or you can tighten a lug nut down at the tire shop down the street. No, no offense, Keith. You know, but, the, <laughs> but you know, the, the lug nut's still tight. But the rest of the experience is what we're selling. And, so I want to, I want to ask. Hang on, you can't go forward. forward. We got We got to cover one <laughs> thing right there. If you take the guy that wants Sizzler and Sizzler price, and you put him in the fifty-two dollar steakhouse. <laughs> He's not going to be happy. If you take the guy that wants the $52 steakhouse and put him in Sizzler, he may have got a hell of a price, but he's not going to be he's happy. Not he's not going to enjoy the meal. There are people that like Sizzler. Um, there's a Sizzler. There used to be a Sizzler on the way home from the airport. It was the only thing open at 10 o'clock at night. My wife and I would go there and I'd get the Malibu chicken. I, I enjoyed it. But that was... But if I had a choice, I would have went to the $52 steakhouse because that's where I wanted to be. That's the experience that I wanted to have. And we have to understand that in the automotive industry. It's okay to have a shop that charges 100 bucks an hour or whatever and, and runs through a lot of cars. If that's the business you want, because there are people out there that want that. It's also good to have a, a shop that, that caters to the experience and charges more because there are people out there that want that. 
So I wanted to ask uh, the viewers and listeners out there, if you want to comment down below, what does your solution look like? Just comment down below. Are you guys providing loaner cars? Are you providing a better customer experience or what, what exactly does it look like? Does it, is it convenience, meaning they can drop their car off at any time? Comment down below what your solution looks like. Uh, with that, we're going to take a brief, very brief break real quick. I want to thank those of you who are listening uh, and, and viewing this. If you Again, if you enjoy what you're watching, you learned something, or uh, we may have said something that sparked some kind of inspiration in you, please let us know in the comments down below. Go ahead and like and share this video or podcast, whatever you're listening on. Um, I want to talk briefly about the smart groups and the bottom line impact group. So a lot of people don't realize this, but the Institute actually runs World Pack's smart group program. Um, we have a pretty in-depth program and Tony here also runs, uh, I believe yours is the top groups though, but it's, it's uh, RLO training has uh, also their own very, very formidable group program, their 20s groups. And uh, you can check both of those out. We'll provide links down in the description below. Tony, I don't know if you want to say something briefly about uh, your groups. Sure. Well, I, I think, you know, Fernando, your experience recently just coming into a group, it's amazing how much you can learn. Uh, but the, the RLO groups, the BLIG or bottom line impact groups, as well as the top group, uh, tire one uh, profit uh, groups, all of those make a difference because you're not only learning new ideas, but you've got a group of people that you're interacting with and getting ideas from each other. You know, we've got a, a handful of folks watching this that are learning something that they never would have thought of if they hadn't been part of the conversation. In a 20 group model, uh, we have an amazing opportunity to build relationships and have somebody that you can just send a message out to and ask and get great information from right away. Yeah, uh, Jonathan, did you wanna say something? You commented in the, in the comments section there. Well, my brother wrote to me, so I wrote him back. There. Oh. <laughs> so well, so for those of you who are curious about the groups that we offer, both the smart groups and the bottom line impact groups, you can check out more information. We'll provide those uh, links in the description down below. Dad, did you want to say something as we get back into it? I, I just think it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, Jonathan and Fernando joined just before COVID. Uh, you guys had a, a, a health experience that kind of took you out of the group for a little while while you were recovering. You came right back into the groups. You're not a big shop. You know, you're not, you're not doing 60, 70, $80,000 a month. You're certainly not doing $200,000 a month. How can you afford the group? Um, we have, go ahead, Jonathan. we have to, you know, it's, uh, it's actually what changed everything and why we're still here. You know, we came from, very different backgrounds and uh you know where are you without a mentor basically you know you either on a really really long road or you might not even make it down the road so it's 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 just a must uh when it comes down to it fernando you want to add anything to that yeah i definitely do um okay so i think one thing that I'm not sure, but Cecil, you probably know a little more than me on that. When, when, when you try and present coaching or mentorship or training to um, a, a shop owner, that's probably very busy, quote unquote, volume busy, five oil filter busy. Um, they'll look at, well, what's the cost, you know, and, and whatever the cost is X amount. So I try and think of it in this way. So if, um, if, if somebody asks to, um, if you're going to get a loan and and they're going to charge you that loan at 10%, you make 90% return, you still make 90%. If they charge you 30% and you get 70% return, you still made 70%. So although the 30% sounds high, you're making a you're making a higher you're making a return on it regardless. So maybe I didn't explain it the best way, but you're. It's all about the bottom dollar. As Cecil says, it, that to keep it short and simple, it's the bottom dollar. It doesn't matter if you invest, you know, X amount, but if you're making three times more, things increase that quarter by, you know, like Fernando was saying earlier, 30%. It just makes sense. It's simple math. Everything changed. As soon as we joined the group, I was one of the ones because 
my background's not huge in automotive. I, I was, I wasn't all for it, but Fernando said we have to. And I said, okay, let's do it. And you know, it worked. It's yeah, working. It's <laughs> oh, you know, so we're one, more, better. one more quick question. I, I want to get, uh, Oh, I was going to say, I want to get back to this. I don't want to keep more, we're, we're talking labor rates. So one more quick question about labor rates. Yeah. yeah. Because, because what was your labor rate when you started with the group? Oh, was oh that? my God. Come on. Speak 140. It, it was 140 when we started. No way. You were lower than that. Well, well hold on. <laughs> well, it was low. Basically, we didn't have, there was a point when we did not have a labor rate, actually. Okay. okay it, it was, was a just variable like, labor rate. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, Fernando, <laughs> it was way less than, it was a labor rate, honestly. It was just, yeah, we can do that for about uh, 300 bucks. It'll take us 30 minutes, you know, yeah. and that's just the wrong thinking. There was no mathematics, percentages, numbers involved, like you know, nothing. So what's your labor rate now? We're at 189 and 43 cents. No. How? how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 43 cents. 43 cents. I thought you did Jonathan. Cents. <laughs> what? So, so how hard was it to raise your labor rate? And what um, happened? Well, it was, I had to, I had to log into my tech metric and click a few buttons. That's okay. all well, I, I was there pushing his buttons. I said, just come on <laughs> no, do no, it but, and, and see okay. what happens. <laughs> so so, so to lightly touch on it, Ken, I know you want to get out of here. I'm just going to touch on it real lightly. Real lightly. <laughs> so you try and put a mechanic as an advisor and, and, and it's difficult for, for him to become a, an advisor. That's, you know, he's, he's a big hitter. He sells because he has that emotional attachment connected to it. Okay. So for us, we're, we're, we're new, we're growing, we're in the game. Cecil, you went and told us, you know, we, we spoke about it in the smart in, in the smart group. And um, we came back and we're like, all right, we're going to change it. And we, when we changed it was from 140 to 185. Not one of our customers said anything about it. That's a huge not jump. Not, not one. Not, not one, one customer said asked said anything about it. And why? Because Tony, you mentioned it. You're paying solution for the job. This is what it takes. My brother Jonathan. Again, he's he's so good at put at, at bringing me back down from it, separating me from just fixing the, the problem. This is a car that you you use to take your kids to school your groceries, in case of an emergency, a road trip, you've had the car for 10 years. Yes, this is what it costs to fix it, you know, and, and that's it. It's fair. It's honest. It, we're not taking anything from anybody. And that's what it costs. <laughs> so when it. you added the 43 cents, all your customers went nuts. Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to see where the customers went. <laughs> There's a tipping point. You hit, you hit 44 cents and that's it. We're done. Well, again, you know, people have a, you know, if there's a double zero after that, then it's kind of like, well, there's a little it's question very specific, there, you know? I guess yeah, you could say. So to get back to the questions. Right. Um, so if you are curious about the, the, the groups that we run, both the bottom line impact groups and the smart groups, uh, and you're worried about paying for them, we have a course on gearforshops.com, our gear platform, uh, called Five Steps to Improve Your Profit. We built that intentionally so when people said they couldn't pay for it, we go, here, take this class, do these five things, now you can pay for it. Solutions. <laughs> go check it out. Five Steps for Improving Your Profit. It's a free course, no charge. And uh, yeah, we'll also put that in the description down below for those of you. And then, and then join a group because you have group. money to do it. <laughs> well, did, All right. Didn't yeah. Fernando go about that? Fernando says, you know, how, do, how could you afford the group? He went through that whole story only to say, I raised my labor rate $45 an hour. Now I can afford the group. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> 43 cents. In, in two days, cents. The, cents the group. The group. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Keith, you know what's crazy is that that's not an excuse, you know, because Jonathan and I did not have the money to, we were not making the profit to pay for the class. We paid for it before we made the profit, you know? So it, 
you need to be willing. You it made to, us the profit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You have to, um, I think there's something that if you're, if, if, if you're a business owner, you have to be fluid and you have to be open and you have to be willing to change and grow and you need coaching. You need coaching. If you don't have coaching, what are you, what are you basing your numbers off of? You don't know what you don't know. What you don't know what you don't know. So, so to prevent this entire podcast from turning into a very long advertisement, <laughs> didn't want let's, that. let's <laughs> dial it back. Thank you, Fernando, uh, for the wonderful words. Um, <laughs> so uh, back to my questions. Um, ideally, how often should a shop be raising their labor rate? Let's go with Tony. Okay. Okay. So I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a specific, like a magic formula of how often you should change your labor rates. I've talked to one shop that changes his labor rate a small percentage every month. Just 43 cents. Increases, <laughs> 43 cents a, a, a week, maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a formula for that, but I think the, uh, the, the mentality is that you have to stay, uh, you have to stay relevant to your market, but you have to stay relevant to what you're providing. Biggest problem is not being professional. You know, acting like, you know, and, and uh, Fernando, I, I started as a mechanic 36 years ago, right? I, I understand being a technician. And then I started my business 21 years ago. And I understand being a service advisor and a business owner. And the shift, the mental shift that I had to take from being a technician to being a business owner was significant. And I had to stop thinking about what is my hourly rate. I had to start thinking about what is it, what's necessary to keep the equipment coming in, to keep the training coming in, to keep the, the proper uh, communications going out to new customers, to what's necessary. And it came down to, I've got to make a living. You know, I've got to make a profit. And in order to make that profit, you know, and I use this analogy, how many times does the price of gas change, right? You know, the price of gas is constantly changing. And, and the price of gas, unfortunately, affects everything else that we do. Parts deliveries. You know, your, your vendor is paying more for gas, so he's eventually going to have to raise his prices. What happens to you? Well, you want to keep your prices the same to make everybody happy. No, you want to keep your profits in a healthy place. So your, your labor rates should be a constant, uh, you know, constantly under review. Change them once a month if you have to. Change them at least, at minimum, no less than once a year. But I think that's not enough. I think it should be more often than that. Once a quarter, probably, we should be reevaluating and changing, uh, if not, you know, potentially once a month. So Keith, some, how, how often are you uh, changing your labor rate? I'm, we change our labor rate probably once a year. We, we'll go through the whole year and we'll say, where are we at? Where do we want to be? And then we'll adjust. But with regard to what Tony said, he says, you know, you have to be relative to your market. Well, don't we create our own market? When we look at that, we need to look at our market. We may have to fire some of our customers. We may have to change our dynamic in order to get the profit that we we deserve, our people deserve, and our families deserve. Um, so you may have to go back out there and say, okay, that guy that has the five oil filters for the 1990 GMC, if he's happy doing that, that's great. But I'm, you know, heck, I'm, I might even be older than Cecil. And uh, started doing this back in the 70s. And um, the, the dynamics of the business has changed so much. It's only in the last five to six years that I've started uh, doing the coaching uh, through the gear, uh, gear platform that you guys offer and gone to classes and not just through, you know, the Institute, but through AVI. And you have to have somebody mentor you because I've changed so much in my business in the last two to three years, just because of coming in with fresh eyes. And like Cecil says, you don't know what you don't know. And there's things that I knew I didn't know, but I didn't know how to fix it. And so it's an ongoing process to adapt and to change and to make the business what I need it to be. When we're talking about customer service, one of the things I'm very proud of is for the third year in a row, we're a AAA top shop. We're one of the top shops in the West United States. And it's not so much about the service. It's about the experience, the $53 state versus the $12.95 state. If you're giving the experience, charge for it. I don't have the, the uh, latitude to have rental cars, but I give a lot of rides. I give a lot of rides myself just so I can create the relationship with the customer. But we look at ours once a year and you ask whether we have shops near us that are over or under $100. And I'd say yes. 
There are people out there that don't know their value. They work in these little holes and, and they have a clientele and they will work three times harder than they should to try and make a eke out a living. I, I know one guy, he owns a garage. And the bad thing is he says he makes more from his rental properties than he does from his garage. And I'm like, then maybe you need to refocus on what you're doing in your garage. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Think, yeah, think about think this. Um, I don't think once a year is going to be good enough in the future. We're, we're, at a, we're at an apex right now of a lot of things. We've got not enough technicians in the industry. The, uh, when you hire somebody now, you're, you're offering more, a lot more than you would have five years ago, three years ago, two years ago. You, we, we have inflation in our country that has been held back for years by the Fed. And all of a sudden it's rolling forward. It can't, it's not going to be stopped. We're going to see, you know, high interest rates, uh, the price of gas, the price of lumber. I mean, how many memes do you need to see on, on guys, you know, selling sawdust for a hundred bucks a bag? Um, because, because we're going to see inflation and that inflation is going to cost us. I, 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 I eat, I eat out a lot. Um, and I stop on the way home and I pick up a dinner at a fast food place and it's 13 bucks. It used to be six. Um, we, we need to make some real adjustments and be very aware of this moving forward uh, over the next year, year and a half, maybe even the next two or three years. As, as inflation happens, we're going to have to stay up with it or we're going to lose, we're going to lose a lot of shops. We're going to be a lot of guys working their asses off for nothing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I think, so, um, Oh, well, just to touch on it also is that the, there's a, we've mentioned it, but there's value in what we do. You know, the car comes in where for all the vehicles that come in through our shop, they get a repair order written. They, they all get a car wash. They all get tire shine. They all get the proper inspection. We communicate with the customer as you know, daily updates or our promised times. We give promise updates. And we, those are always met. And that's relative to not working on, you know, one technician, 10 cars a day. Because if, if it's, it's almost like a, a filter, you know, you're going to go, your labor rate will filter out your cream of the crop customers. The one that, that want you, the ones that will wait two weeks to get their car worked on. Because you're my, you're my guy. You guys are, I trust you guys completely. So I want to ask this final question as we wrap up and I have two here, but I think I'm going to just do this one. So uh, when it comes to, and I'm going to open this to everybody as we close up. So this is also kind of final, final thoughts as well. Um, what do you think is most important when it comes to labor rates for our industry? And uh, Keith, you can take it away. I, I think it goes back to FDR. He says, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Do what you need to do to provide for your workers, which are basically your family. Do what you need to do to provide for yourself in the future and the future people coming in to make it attractive for them to come into our industry. We absolutely have to do that if we don't want it to die off and it all become a, a function of the dealerships because we know the level of service that they already offer. We offer so much better. And so we don't want the industry to drop down to that level. We want to raise the industry up to what those of us on this panel and those of out there listening to this podcast want to provide and to make sure that their people have a, a good, um, productive and uh, lifestyle and that they're able to retire comfortably like everybody else. Yeah. And um, I'll touch on it lightly. You know, what's the... What's the environment? What's the company culture like in a shop that's that with a lower labor rate and high volume? You're running around, you know, you got it, it. You never have enough time in the day. And it's probably because of that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a poor quality, you know, of the, of the service because you don't have the time, you know, there's just too many cars coming in. And, and I guess, um, just to kind of lightly touch on it with when do you raise your labor rates as uh, do all the numbers line up? Does your parts matrix line up? Your, I mean, your margins line up is everything where they need to be. And am I too busy? You know, am I, can I, can I get a little bit better 
Um, can I get my customers that appreciate me more? You know, can I dial it down to more of those kind of customers? Does that make sense, Cecil? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Tony, can you afford to grow? Yeah. In the future, like you said, that's something that I, I hadn't even thought about, Cecil, but I, I want to be here in 10 years. You know, I want to continue to grow. Things are, things are changing now. If a car's battery is low on charge, your air conditioning won't work. You know what I Like, this isn't the, the 90s anymore where you need air, fuel, and spark for the car to run. You need a lot more for this car to function. And, and, and you have to have the time to train to hire the knowledge the knowledge my brother Jonathan always speaks on it you know you can have that scanner that's a uh, 10 15 20,000 but do you speak that language yeah. do you know what to do with it so, so my final wrap up thoughts were, were uh, you think like a professional think like a business think for the future that that's that those are the, those are the critical things that that tell us everything about what to do with our labor rates. Because if we think like a technician and we stop there, we've got a dead end business. Yeah, I wanted to add. I, I had three good comments from this podcast. One, customers have to pay for your business's future, and you have to charge for that. Number two, we sell solutions, parts, labor, and an experience. So what do you want your solution to look like? And last, busy is not necessarily profitable. Dad, do you have anything else to say? We, we as an industry are in an in a, uh, important place in our history. And if we want to have a future, uh, we need to attract good people into our industry. We cannot do that under the current uh, conditions. And so we have to change the conditions. And the only way we change the conditions, if, if shop owners start to understand their real value and start to charge for that real value. Um, you're, you're not, my, my dad worked very hard. He was a great technician. He never felt like he added up because he didn't have a college education. Um, I, I got lucky and I was able to get a college education, but I can tell you the things that have made my life worth living, the things that have allowed me to make a, a good living and, and be where I'm at came from the experience and the learning from working on cars and take care of customers and running a business. Um, they came from coaches and consultants. If we don't step up as an industry, a lot of us are, are not going to make it through the next five years. And uh, that'll leave opportunity for the rest of us, which will, will be great for those people that are around. But I like to see the industry move forward and become more professional and really respect yourself and earn what you deserve to earn. Wonderfully put. I want to thank you guys one last time for being on here. Uh, you guys, I love the insight. I love the comments. We cheated a little bit. Fernando and uh, Keith, they're on the gear platform. Um, they're actually my my moderators for the for the network. So if you guys actually want to go and hit up Fernando and Keith, one-on-one uh, -on -one through our, our network uh, gear or the GearHeads network, you can actually message these guys and ask them questions if you want to follow up with them. Um, I want to remind you to like, share, and follow this if you enjoyed this, if you learned something, if we inspired you even just a little bit, uh, let us know in the comments down below. We have a Mars conference coming. Now, those of you who don't know what Mars is, we did it last year uh, and it was supposed to be a series, but COVID, yep. And uh, so Mars stands for Marketing for Auto Repair Shops Conference. We brought experts in to, to talk on very specific, uh, very uh, powerful marketing tools that you can use to uh, get your shop known. And we're having another one of those conferences at the end of July, so July 30th and 31st. And I believe we'll have the registration or at least some informational page that you can find in the description down below. On May 26th, uh, you guys can come for a shop story. We're gonna be doing a podcast on a specific shop. We're gonna tell their story. Uh, and if you want to be a panelist, please email lex at weartheinstitute.com. That's L-E-X at weartheinstitute.com. Uh, yeah, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Thank you guys very much, and we will see you next time. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by gearforshops.com and the Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iforabe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. 
Hello, listeners. We had a wonderful discussion with this group of phenomenal shop owners, and there were some nuggets that we shared before and after that we didn't get to include in the main podcast. So take this with a grain of salt. Fernando was saying some nice things about us, and we were giving him a hard time about it, and it led to the following. Hope you enjoy. No. I mean, <laughs> hey, it's no, just I, what you need to say is, is Am I Keith, showing it? Keith and Tony, did, how come you didn't say we were more awesome? That's <laughs> <There you go. laughs> the bar. Raise the bar. Well, well you know, oh, Fernando was just exp- it was saying it for all of us. We all think you guys are awesome. You no, right. we, I really appreciated it, Fernando. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, great. I mean, honestly, for me, it's it's been a for Jonathan and I, it's. It's been a crazy experience, you know. Uh, I'm happy we didn't have to wait 20 years to get here. You know, I'm happy. It's it's so much harder to to try and change. Uh, well, habits, you know. <laughs> try and change oh, yeah. habits. Try and change. Well, like I said I've been doing this for 40 years, Fernando, and I gotta say, you're way ahead of the curve of where I am because it's only the last few years that I've gotten into this aspect of it because I was always happy with. You give the customer service, you charge fair prices, you'll be profitable. And it because expenses and the business environment has changed so much, you know, we've had to, I've had to adapt. And I do use a gear platform. I don't always have time to go to their classes, but I always I'll take, I'll get through half a class. I'm just about to finish up Kent's on accountability. Um, I've done the talk with Cecil several times on hiring and firing and things like that. And those were things that I never had to think about. And now it's 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 integral part of making my business better. I mean, one of the things I wanted to say on the pat on the on the uh, podcast is for those people that don't want to are fighting raising their labor rate, I want them to go outside their shop, get themselves a, a soapbox or a milk carton, and stand on it and say, "Damn it, I'm worth it!" and raise their freaking labor rates. Well, there really? you go. That's the soundbite for the beginning of the episode. Go out there and try to hire your the top rated technician for for what you can afford at your current labor rate. Not you can't. Okay. You can't. Yeah. You can't. Um, and then if you want to pay him what he's worth, then you're you're going broke because you're paying him more than you're making. But we're yeah. totally upside down in that arena. And Cecil, you're spot on. We've got to change the way we approach this thing because we cannot attract people are making more money going to work for a stupid software company programming apps than they are working as a professional technician with, you know, 20 years of experience and God only knows how many. We're unclogging poop. Or an un- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poop out of lines. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm sorry, but I-